Good morning and welcome to worship. Today is February 28th, 2021, and we here at the United Methodist Church Westlake Village are so thankful that you chose to worship with us. I have a few announcements for you before we begin our worship service proper. I want to remind you that we began our Lenten journey uh, last week and we are engaging in a 40-day study of the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to be a part of that group and that study, go online and purchase the book. You can uh, find Amy Jill Levine's book entitled Toward the Kingdom of Heaven, 40 Daily Readings on the Sermon on the Mount. And you'll be able to join in as we as a congregation work to spiritually ready ourselves for a powerfully meaningful Holy Week and Easter. If you want to join a small group, contact the office and sign up for a session for the opportunity to discuss the week's sermon and the material from the daily devotions. I have to say that the conversations that I've been a part of so far have been fruitful and meaningful for me. Our covenant will be coming out tomorrow with news of events that are happening in March which include a Family Ministry Christian Education Spring event to celebrate and get ready for Palm Sunday, the Class of 2021, scholarships, and much more. Keep your eyes open to stay up to date with the events of the church. And now, let us center ourselves in preparation for worship. Today we continue with our sermon series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Building off of the Beatitudes, Jesus' call to be the salt of the earth and the light to the world, and the extensions of the Torah, we will explore Jesus' instruction about practicing piety. Let us pray. Holy God, you who graciously shines your goodness on the world, May your spirit guide us in this time together toward greater understanding of how what we believe must shape what we do, that we may increasingly glorify you before others in the name of our teacher and savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we are concluding Black History Month, we receive a piece of special music from Lois Jackson. I was born by the river in a little tent. Oh, but just like the river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long, long time coming, but I know oh, oh, change is 
gonna come. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. Cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long, long time, too long, long time, long time coming. But I know, but I children, now's the time to come close to your screens so that we can be in conversation together. Did you guys listen to Miss Jackson sing? Isn't she amazing? I love the heart and the passion that she puts into her music. And the song that she sang for us today is a good reminder for all of us. Change is gonna come for the things that we're working for, and the ways in which we're hoping to experience God's kingdom of heaven here on earth, it's gonna come. It may not look or be the way we want it right now, but we have the opportunity to be a part of that change. Our Sunday school lesson in Celebrate Wonder talks about some of that this day. Our story is the story of Zacchaeus. Do you guys remember that story at all? Maybe you know the song. He was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And he wanted to see Jesus so badly that he climbed up in the sycamore tree. And when Jesus was walking by, Jesus saw him up there and invited him to come down. And then Jesus went one step further. He said, Zacchaeus, I wanna have a meal with you at your house. And the people of the crowd, oh my goodness, they were aghast. They were shocked. 
They asked, why is Jesus going to have a meal with him? Why is he extending his grace to this person? But Zacchaeus wanted to change. He wanted to experience that change. And so he made some promises that day. He promised to give up half of what he had to help those who were in need. And he said that if he had wronged anyone, that he would repay them four times what they deserved. Those are some amazing, amazing, major amazing promises. And Jesus knew that Zacchaeus's heart had changed and Jesus offered forgiveness. We as followers of Jesus have times where we need to ask for forgiveness to say, I need to change. But then we also have opportunities where we can offer forgiveness and allow others to change. Find ways in which to be the light of the world to help others see the gift and the love of God. I hope this day you see how Jesus is inviting you to follow him as your guide, but also inviting you to be a guide for others. Will you join me in prayer as we talk to God? I'll invite you to repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being our guide. Help us to guide others. Help us to see the change that is coming. Help us to be a part of that change. Amen. Let us pray. Let us center ourselves and go to God with these words. Holy God, hear the stirring of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, and the hopes of our hearts as we join with one another in prayer this morning. We need your touch made real in our lives to give us strength and courage, healing and renewed life. We would begin with confessing that there are times we have been less than you have wished, saying words or doing deeds that reflect more our fallen nature than our higher one with you. Here are prayers of confession.
May your grace wash us clean and strengthen our resolve to walk better in your love hereafter. We ask your help in our lives with the many concerns of life in general, as well as the ongoing challenges from life in these pandemic times and times of social, political turmoil. Help us embrace the noble ideals of our commonwealth and the ethical imperatives of our faith. Guide us in these days ahead to be our best selves, to help us live authentically and consequentially as disciples of Christ Jesus. We pray for those around us who are struggling with physical or mental health issues, with troubled relationships, uncertain employment, or other forms of disease and discomfort. We think especially of these. Don Philipson's friend, Glenn, who is recovering from heart surgery. Shane Loomis, as he begins the next stage of his life and his family who do their best to support him through it. Margie Price, as she continues to deal with her meds, working them out in the, the right way for her heart condition. We lift up prayers for Betty Steeman's brother and sister over their health concerns. For Linda Northrup, as she continues to heal from her cancer treatments and surgery. For Ernie's daughter, as she continues healing. For Jim Lawson's daughter, as she continues to face cancer challenges. We think of these people and, and others who we lift up privately now in our thoughts. Come into these lives, Lord God, in a powerful way that helps these folks know your support, your nurture, and your healing. We pray for our church also as we continue in our ministries through these times, and we ask your help in maintaining our effectiveness and our vitality. May the good we do be pleasing in your sight. All this we pray in your son's holy name, joining together in the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, I want 
Scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 2 and 5. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah. 
Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Awesome and almighty God, we thank you for this day, for the opportunity to sit at your feet, to listen to your words, and to glean for ourselves what you are inviting us to hear in the Sermon on the Mount. Help us to reflect on how those words might have been heard to Jesus's original disciples. And also hear how those words speak to us this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have been so richly blessed already by the time in devotional group that I've had the opportunity to spend with the two groups that I lead. And I want to say thank you for the faithful reflection, for the opportunity to share, to ask questions, and to dig a little deeper into our faith. If you're still hoping to join, I would say this is the week to do so. After that, it may dif be difficult to jump on in, but we would love to have you. I posed the question to my Thursday morning group to, to define righteousness for yourself. We had just read the passage that we read last week in worship and a member of the group said, well, if I'm defining righteousness by that scripture, I feel like I won't get in. And that broke my heart. And I asked, why is that, that you feel like you won't get in? And the response was, I've never thought about righteousness as tied into the law. I think right of righteousness is about how I live my life. And I said, okay, well, let's take the scripture out of the conversation or that scripture out of the conversation. How would you describe righteousness? And what was said was really powerful for me. And I wanted to share it with you. They said, doing what is proper, doing what is good, doing the right thing, helping the needy, the poor, and the oppressed. And then I asked the question, how does the fact that the righteousness have the same root word with piety impact you or make you respond? And there was a member of our group who was like, I don't like that, I, I, I don't like that, Rachel. And I asked why, and they're like, well, to me, when I think of piety, it's a conversation, or it's, it's the person who's too full of themselves, the person who's a hypocrite. They display their faith in public, but they don't necessarily live, necessarily live their faith. And I went, oh, you're preparing us for this week. I, we, we need to reevaluate and rethink the word of piety. I think what my friend was talking about was piousness. And even that word has changed connotation over the generations. It originally was a term for 
for someone who showed respect in their faith. And it became to be thought of as someone who's a hypocrite. And when Walt and I and Amy Jill Levine encourage us to explore the practice of piety, we're not asking you to put your faith on display in such a way that it's the show of your faith. We're asking you to hone your faith life, your prayer life, your spirituality, similar to the way that a musician continues to hone their skills. Now, if we were at church, I would be turning to Gloria right now and going, Gloria, how many times did the choir practice that piece? And I'd wait for her response. And I'd ask the choir, do you think you have it perfect yet? And my guess is that at least some of us would say, uh, there's a few places that we can do better. I'd love another try at it. I'd ask Jenny how many times she rehearsed the piece that she shared for the offertory or the preludes. And I know that she spends hours working on it. We know that there's times that she wants to start over and to give it another go so that she can do better at it. As we practice our piety, we are practicing the skills needed so that we develop the muscle memory that our musicians have about playing their instruments or singing their songs. We are working to fine tune who we are and how we sing our praises to God so that on those days that we struggle, so that on those days that we're not sure how we're going to get through the day because it has been a doozy of one. You fall back on that muscle memory so that you know that God is with you through each and every moment. I am so thankful that we had the conversation about righteousness and piety because it made me think about things in new ways. I had come across the fact that piety and righteousness have the same root word while reading Amy Scott Levine's book on the Sermon on the Mount. She defined piety just so that you know who we're working with and how, how she talks about it as our expressions of our religious commitments. What are our expressions of our religious commitments? What are we doing to say yes to God and to live authentically as Jesus's disciples today and now? Levine in her book says, to be a disciple means less about believing a set of propositions and more about acting upon God's word as interpreted by Jesus. We are blessed that we have this teaching from Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount that shares so much beauty, so much encouragement, and gives us this idea of what the kingdom of heaven 
could be like, should be like, and how we may live with one foot in that kingdom now, today. That gives me such excitement. Our stories have built upon each other from the B attitudes to finding out that Jesus calls us to be, says that we are the salt of the world and the light of the world, or salt of the earth and light of the world. What does it mean to be salt? What does it mean to be light? And then what does it mean to take the laws, look at the intent of the laws of scripture and find ways to live into them more fully as opposed to focusing on those propositions that Levine talks about and living by the letter of the law but not getting to the heart of the law. There's a difference between those two, right? Figuring out what it is that is God's will, what God is trying trying to get us to understand or do as opposed to trying to ascribe to that set list of things without an understanding. I may have said that twice, and if I did, I apologize. It's the knowing why God has us do things or trying to know why God is having us do things as opposed to doing things without understanding for what the heart of God is and who God is trying to shape us to be. Our scriptures today are the ones that we regularly focus on in Lent. We focus on our giving. We focus on our fasting. We focus on our prayer life. And we think about how those activities might shape us and invite us to grow as we practice them and live into them. For Jesus and for God, the truth is, it's not going through the motions of things that are important. It is going, it is getting behind our motivation for things and what it might be that is driving us, that is guiding us, that is, is inviting us on this journey. As I shared that piety and righteousness have the same root word, that is in Greek, and it's daikaisine, which is piety, righteousness, or justice. All of those words go hand in hand. And I find it interesting because if we go back even farther, into the Hebrew, the word for righteousness is similar and has the same root word as the words for almsgiving. It's as if it is to echo. The one who gives support to others, tazdik, is righteous. Taz, 
DACA, making the linguistic connection even more profound is that that connection to Tazaka comes into the Greek as diakonsi. Said it right the first time, diakaiosine. I love that those words are all interconnected. I am not a Greek scholar. I am not a Hebrew scholar, but I'm thankful for people like Amy Jill Levine who helped me to see more clearly to help me to look back at how these words might interplay and to think about what those disciples sitting at Jesus's feet might have been thinking about and what they might have been hearing because they had the nuances of the words. They knew the nuances of the words. When we think about giving and almsgiving, Jesus invites us to think about how we give. His focus is on the quality of our gift as opposed to the quantity of our gift. It's funny because in our Celebrate Wonder curriculum last week for the children, we watched a video that talked about a boy who decided on the perfect gift for his friend. And so he spent hours shopping for that gift. So many hours and so much time that he actually arrived to the birthday party late. And while his friend was excited to get his gift, the friend was sad that he had not arrived at the beginning of the party. Finding the gift that is the right size, the right amount, but not connecting it to the gift of presence, the gift of interaction, can make that gift that this boy was talking about less substantial. When we give a gift because we want the recognition of being the one who gave the most, we've got our reward in the fact that we got the thank you letter and that people have, have named it. But when we give our gifts in private and trust that they will be used to build the kingdom and to allow things to continue to, to thrive and grow, we are not giving our gifts out of recognition, but we're giving out of our abundance in such a way that we are allowing others to thrive as well. Levine says in the cases of charitable giving, righteousness or piety require a concern of, for dignity. She goes on to say that this is the same dignity that Jesus has in mind when he was in the extensions, when he speaks about refusing to respond to violence with more violence, even if one is slapped or sued or commandeered. How we respond, finding the inherent dignity in each person that we encounter, each situation that we bring aid to, I kind of liken it to the movie Jumanji. This is for some, some of our, 
our younger families and for our teenagers. Um, there's characters in the movie, there's the hero, and then there's the sidekick. So often as we seek to give to others, I propose that we try to be the sidekick in these situations, coming alongside of people in their own stories and allowing them to be the hero of their stories by reaching into what seems to be in the movie Jumanji, the magic tool bag of, of resources and handing it to, to those that we're serving so that they can be the hero, so that they can find ways to live out their life and their call and live in such a way that they have dignity and feel like they are respected and they are supported and that we are coming alongside as opposed to, to alongside to be in ministry with and support with each other as opposed to doing ministry to someone, aid to a situation. I hope that those nuances kind of make sense. Um, in my head they do and I hope that they translate well into this message. We are being invited to give, but not so that we can be rewarded or not rewarded in, in the standard way that we think of. Levine says, first, the giving is not designed so that one gets a reward. The giving is done because we, in the image and likeness of God, act generously as God acts generously. Second, the reward that here should be seen in the context of the Beatitudes. The meek, who would never trumpet their generosity, will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who would necessarily act righteously or piously towards others, will be filled. God approves of our actions, especially when they are done because we have taken to heart the commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves. Finding ways to give out of that love of neighbors and seeing that we all have that spark of God, of being the child of God in each and every one of us and how we live in response to that spark in every, in the eye of every person that we meet, gives us the opportunity to give with our heart in the right place, without needing the accolades, so to speak. And then we move on to prayer in our scriptures. Jesus invites us not to be like the hypocrite who prays on the street corner because our recognition is there on the street corner in the fact that we have people surrounding us and, and affirming what we're saying and what we're doing, but instead go into our room in private and pray to God. When we pray, are we praying so that people can hear our fine words? Or are we praying 
so that we can be in conversation with God. That's what God wants, for us to talk candidly, to share, to faithfully give reflection on what is going on in our world. So if we are sad, we cry and we lament. If we are angry, we take our anger to God because it's honest and authentic. If we are happy, we share that joy with God as well. When we feel lost, when we feel confused, God wants to be in relationship with us. We have prayers that are written for us so that we can say what, say what we need to when we don't know what to say. Levine tells a story that I absolutely love. She says, it's of a little boy who comes to the synagogue and recites over and over again, the first three letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And I know that I will pronounce those wrong if I try to, but they're similar and sound similar to the Greek alphabet, alpha, beta, gamma. And he just says them over and over again, alpha, beta, gamma. Smiling, the rabbi asks the child, what are you doing? And the little boy responds, I don't know the prayers and I can't read. But if I just say the letters, God will put, God puts the prayer together for me. If we begin the practice of talking with God and praying to God, then those words that we may not know now, God will weave together into the prayer that we have on our heart. This story is beautiful and it reminds me of um, a Facebook book post that has been going around that is of uh, someone who has a letter board. You know those boards that you can, can change out the letters and change signs. And the letter board is perfect and pristine to begin with. And it says, Dear God. And then all of the letters are spilled, spilled out on the page and it's just a pile of letters. And then at the bottom it says, Amen. Sometimes we are so confused in what's going on in our lives and don't have the words that it feels like we are spilling out letters on a letter board or speaking our letters in Greek or Hebrew to God and trusting that God will piece it together. Jesus's words about prayer are about that conversation we don't need to pray long. We don't need to pray extemporaneously. We don't have to prescribe to any specific rule. But if we're struggling, as we'll get to next week, we can go to the Lord's Prayer. And that gives us a guide. When we pray, we, it doesn't have to be long-winded. There aren't a certain set of words that we need to say. We just need to be authentic and honest and true with our God so that we can hear and pause and listen to what God may be saying back to us. And what a gift it will be when we have the chance to learn from God. Jesus then goes on to fasting and invites us to think about what it means to fast. 
Do we fast in public and lament the fact that we can't have whatever it is that we fasted from, whether it's food or candy or wine? Or do we do it in such a way that we are saying to ourselves and to God, okay, God, allow this to grow, to be something that helps me get closer to you, to help me be more dependent upon you so that I may grow and my skills in turning to you in times of need are stronger and are well-tuned so that I might be able to continue to walk in faith, even on the most difficult days. Now, I recognize that the passages about what we do in public and what we do in private are complicated, because how do we live out our faith? How do we do certain things with, because they have such a public impact? Levine talks about the fact that good acts, acts of righteousness and justice, have to have public impact since, as salt and light, oh my goodness, we're going back a couple of verses, the disciples necessarily relate to the lives of others. How then do disciples avoid practicing their piety before others? Levine says that the answer is simple. If the practice is based in justice, that's fine. If it's based in self-interest, in order to be seen by others, that's when it's not. That's when we need to reevaluate and see what we are doing. Jesus, as he is talking at one point, right before the passages that we read this morning, our scripture translates it as to be made perfect. In our faith life, in our tradition, we follow John Wesley, who invites us to strive for perfection. And that perfection, I think, probably comes from the similar verses. And Levine shares that perfection in that term is about being made complete and a goal that we're striving for and that it's a process. And, you know, Wesley recognized that it was a process and the fact that we strive for perfection. We seek to become who God wants us to be. And as Levine says, keep our basic essence of salt and light. My questions for you this day are how do the ways that you practice piety, the ways that you live out your faith, help you to feel complete and at peace within yourself? How do the things that you do help you grow closer to God? And how do the ways that you practice piety find completion and peace in reaching out to and working toward justice for and with others. I hope these questions inspire some thoughts. I hope they invite all of us to think about how we are honing our spiritual gift, how we sing praise to God, and how we practice our piety. Amen.
You are invited to share your resources via the instructions that will appear momentarily on the screen to help support the ministries of Christ that happen through our congregation. Your generosity is needed to keep us going, to help us do the good we do. So give generously and be a part of what happens in people's lives through the congregation of the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village. God bless. Well, friends, we've reached the end of our worship service. I hope that as we've explored what it means to practice piety, you have seen how God wants to be in relationship with you. And God cares about where your heart at and what your intentions may be.
And I hope that you remember that God comes to you so that you may be rooted in love, nurtured in love, and sent forth in love. Go forth confident that the God who created you in love, the Christ who meets with you in love, with love, and the Holy Spirit who inspires you to love, goes with you each and every day on the journey. Be well, be safe. Remember, you are loved.